Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service today begins with the service of the word on page 38. We're going to open right now with hymn number 413, When in the Hour of Utmost Need. disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment therefore let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy merciful father in heaven I am altogether sinful from birth in countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child but trusting in Jesus my Savior I pray have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins by the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. rejecting Jesus, but the Gentiles could rejoice because that meant that the gospel came to them as well. Paul was inspired to write, I am talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account, but as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable, just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Alleluia. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Alleluia. woman. 
Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help us, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Of course, in this situation, what Jesus was doing is, well, testing the faith of that Canaanite woman, testing the faith of his disciples as well. But in this instance, that Canaanite woman, she showed a, a great faith depending on Jesus and his grace and mercy. Let's continue with our next hymn, hymn number 404, Faith is a Living Power from Heaven.
the Word of God we want to consider this 13th Sunday after Pentecost is our Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 56. We're looking at verses 1 and 6 to 8. Isaiah was inspired to write, This is what the Lord says, Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these will I bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will, still, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow believers who by God's grace are on God's side, whenever you go to a sporting event or, or watch a sports game on TV, one thing that maybe you think about, maybe you don't, is that the fact that there are two different uniforms usually that are being worn, that can be such a big help for those who are watching, for those who are participating in the sport. Can you imagine the confusion that would exist if all the players on both teams were wearing the exact same uniform? If that were the case, there could be such confusion. And, well, maybe you can think about times when maybe you've gone to, say, a grade school sporting event, maybe even a high school sporting event when maybe they don't have the money available and they don't have the different uniforms and, and maybe they had uniforms that are quite similar and it became a little confusing to try to watch. But now, the different uniforms, they can be helpful for those who are participating in the sport to know to whom they should and shouldn't throw the ball. And it's also helpful for those who are spectators who are watching the sporting event. Isaiah, here in our reading, is giving us the Lord's information, his directive, to put on uniforms that belong to those who by the grace of God believe in Jesus as their Savior from sin. And putting on that uniform, as we look at this reading, it's not talking about wearing different shirts or jerseys or helmets or baseball caps. It's talking about the fact that well, by the grace of God, we'll be different from those who aren't believing children of God. We'll be different. And the difference, again, it's not the attire, but it is 
the love of God that's shining through our hearts and our lives and reaching out to the people in the world around us. And because of that, we're getting this encouragement this morning from our God to live as children of our Heavenly Father with the uniforms of believing children of God on. Well, live as the children of our Heavenly Father. And, well, as we think of that encouragement to live as children of the Heavenly Father, we'll look at the call to repentance, the promise of salvation, and the growth of God's family. Our reading begins with some very important words that, oh, I've pointed out words like this before. They're words that a person could maybe easily skip over. Those words, this is what the Lord says. And just reminds us that when Isaiah wrote these words. These words were, weren't words that he made up on his own, his figuring out what he thought God's directive should be. He wasn't writing his own words. He was writing the words that the Lord wanted him to write. And when you think about it, well, Isaiah, the prophets, the evangelists, all of those writers, they didn't kind of get together and come up with a plan to write a book in which they would give people what they thought God's directive should be for the world. No, what was the case here is that God gave his words to those writers, to someone like the prophet Isaiah, to tell, to have them tell basically about God's plan of salvation for the souls of people. The plan of salvation for those who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now in this section, the name that's used for God here is the Lord. And that's a name that it's always significant. It's a name that you want to think about what that specific name really refers to. The Lord himself, he tells us what that name really means when he had said, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, but he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. This name, the Lord, it describes our God as the eternal Savior God, who does demand that all sins would be completely paid for, but who took care of paying for all of those sins by sending his son to live and to die for us and, and to pay for those sins and, and to win salvation for us, all because of his amazing love, his amazing grace for you and for me. The Lord said to Israel, and also to us, maintain justice and do what is right. And with those words, really, he's telling us to live as children of our Heavenly Father, to live as God wants us to live. But 
if we look at ourselves honestly, we'll have to recognize that there are so many times in our lives when we'll maybe live how we want to live and not according to what God wants us to live, when we'll live contrary to how God would want us to live, as if we're wearing the uniforms of the other side, of Satan's side. See, we don't always do what is right. Furthermore, the scriptures say, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So with these words, maintain justice, do what is right, well, really what God is doing is he's calling us to repentance, to recognize that we are sinners who need God's forgiveness. But when God says here, do what is right, let's recognize that what he's saying there is not just that he wants us to keep his law. He, he does want us to work at that. He does want us to learn his law well. And he wants us to look to the Holy Spirit for help to fight against sin and to live as the believing children of God. But when he says do hear what's right, he's also encouraging us to believe in the promise of the gospel, to believe in the Savior and the way to eternal salvation. God wants us to do that because he says, my salvation is close at hand. To the Israelites who were hearing this, you know, even before Jesus came into this world, well, to them, first off, this was saying to them that that coming of Jesus was getting always closer. It was close at hand. And, well, to the Israelites and to us, well, what the Lord also is saying that death and the time of judgment, that's always close at hand for us. So we'll want to be ready and be ready by living as children of our Heavenly Father. The Lord says here, my righteousness will soon be revealed. God's righteousness, well, that was soon revealed in the sinless life that Jesus lived. The life that he lived for us so that through faith we can claim his perfect life as our own and, and therefore be worthy and ready of eternal life. Not because of ourselves, but because of, because of Christ, because of his righteousness. Oh, if it were the middle of the night and you were sound asleep, how would you like it if someone would holler out, tornado, tornado, you know, just a couple of days ago, some people were kind of, well, maybe it wasn't quite the middle of the night, but they were hollering out, tornado, tornado, and there was some terrible destruction because of that. Well, if someone said that, and really it was nothing more than a practical joke trying to scare you, you'd really be upset. But if there really was a tornado coming, you'd be totally indebted to that person for alerting you to the problem that was coming. Likewise, Jesus' words here, unless you repent, you too will all perish. They do seem stern and even harsh, severe. 
But those are words that we sinners need to hear and for that matter need to keep on regularly hearing because through those words what the Lord would do is he would turn us from our sins and the punishment that we would deserve for them so that we can be with him forever. Remember, God says to us believers, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Not because he's out to get us. Not because he's out to get us, but because he wants us to confess our sins, look to Jesus for forgiveness, and, and then trust in that forgiveness. Know that we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus that cleanses us of all sin. And then by God's grace receive eternal life. That's what God wants. Un unfortunately though, it seems as if people feel that what they can do is they can trust in Jesus without repentance. Trust in Jesus without repentance. They believe that they can go on sinning and rebelling against God and still get his forgiveness, still be forgiveness. And if we're ever tempted to think that way, that I can continue on in my sin and God won't care, well then hear those words, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Prior to Christ's entrance into the world, it did often seem as if salvation was just for the Jews, just for the Israelites, just for God's chosen people. But that never was the case. Yes, the Israelites were blessed. They were so blessed because they were the first possessors of God's written word. They had the temple, the sacrifices, all, all the special ceremonies that they were to go through. Jesus was born as one of them. But they were not to hoard the gospel and keep it to themselves. They were to be God's witnesses to the world. Earlier in the book of Isaiah, God had said, It is too small a thing for Jesus to be my servant to restore the tribes of Joseph and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The promise of salvation it's always been for all those who believe. And our Lord describes believers as those who, who bind themselves to the Lord to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord, and to worship Him. Now when He talks about binding ourselves to the Lord, we bind ourselves to the Lord only because the Holy Spirit has given us faith in Jesus. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we can do that. We are, we who are bound to the Lord are, we could say, like slaves who are under the control of our master. But, but if you think about it, being under the control of 
our Master, our Lord. That's, that's the best place for us to be, to be controlled by the Lord, the one who wants to rescue us from this sinful world and to take us to be with him forever in heaven. To those, he says here, who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to his covenant, which means that by faith they know Jesus as their Savior. To those people, the Lord promises, these will I bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. To the Old Testament people, this meant that God not only accepts believing Jews or Israelites, but he also accepts Gentile believers at his temple. He, he makes them happy there and he's pleased with their worship. And that's also true today. That's also true today. God doesn't limit the number of us, the number of people that he wants in his believing family. The scriptures say, the Apostle Paul says, God our Savior wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And it's important for us to recognize that what separates people from heaven, from salvation, it's not God. It's rather the rejecting, the rebelling, the not believing in Jesus as the Savior, the person's actions. Oh, in in 1829 or 1830, there was a man named George Wilson who was sentenced to be hanged to death because of, of mail robbery and, and murder. For some reason, what happened, though, is that President Andrew Jackson pardoned him. Get out of jail free card for him. However, Wilson refused that pardon. He didn't want anything to do with it and he insisted that he wasn't really pardoned unless he accepted that pardon, unless he took that pardon. And there was a point of law that had never been brought up in our country before. The Supreme Court ended up looking at the situation and they finally said, a pardon is a paper, the value of which depends upon its acceptance by the person implicated. It is hardly to be supposed that one would, under sentence of death, would refuse to accept a pardon. But if it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must hang. And he did. But now who was responsible for George Wilson's death? No one but the man himself. The Supreme Court's decision in this instance kind of gets us to think about the truth that Christ's death, although it is 
providing for the salvation of the whole world. It paid for the sins of absolutely everyone, whether they believe in it or not. Yet it's beneficial only to those who by God's grace, by the work of the Holy Spirit, believe in what Jesus did for them. The person who rejects what Jesus did well, Jesus still did what he did for that person, but if he rejects it, he doesn't get the benefit of what Jesus has done for him. Anyone who rejects Jesus and his salvation won't benefit from what Christ has done for them and for all. And what a terrible, tragic thing that is. So many people will suffer eternally in hell, not because Jesus didn't die for them, but because they rejected what Jesus did for them. Isaiah wrote, The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Many people reject Christ to their own judgment. But the Lord is always working for the growth of his believing family. During his ministry, Jesus spoke similar words. He said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. There are so many people in our world who still need to hear the gospel. And all we'd have to say then is, may God help us to be his witnesses who are always spreading that news that, that Jesus is the Savior. A theologian once said, are you saved, separated above the boiling sea of guilt, safe on the rock of ages? Then reach down your hand to pull up this and that other drowning wretch. I would rather see people with eager eyes and outstretched arms bending down to draw others to the rock than to see those on their knees thanking God for their own escape and safety. Now please understand that thanking God for his grace and mercy, thanking him that he gave you his son to live and to die for you and to pay for all of your sins, thanking God for that is something that is very important, something that dare not ever be omitted from our lives. We want to thank God for his blessings, but here, this says that reaching out to others, that's probably even more important than thanking God. But as we reach out to others, we're showing our thanks and our appreciation to God for what he's done for us as well. But now when people look at us, what uniform are we wearing? by God's grace, and of course we thank God for His grace, it's not Satan's uniform. It's not Satan's uniform that we're wearing, and 
Well, what we also have to say is let's hope that the uniform we're wearing isn't just a spectator's uniform either. Let's rather wear the uniforms of those who are, with the Holy Spirit's help, working to live as children of our Heavenly Father. Always rejoicing in what we have, thankful to God for His amazing grace and love, and then always also reaching out with the wonderful gospel that we've heard, that we're so blessed with, that wonderful message that everyone needs to hear. That Jesus lived and died for them, paid for all of their sins, won heaven for them and for us. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Apostles' Creed, it's on page 41. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty and merciful God, it is only by your gift of grace that we come into your presence and offer true and faithful service. Grant that our worship on earth may always be pleasing to you, and in the life to come, give us the fulfillment of what you have promised. We pray through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, we also pray thinking about the severe weather that we experienced on Thursday evening and oh, those who maybe are still without power, those who have a lot of work of cleanup around their homes or, or damage, we ask you, Lord God, to please be with them, give them your help and your strength as they work to get back maybe to a more normal situation. But as we see your amazing power in a storm like that, help us also to know the amazing power that you have in your grace and your mercy and love. And what it's always your desire to do is to bless us. And even through storms, you are intending always to bless us, your believing children. Please keep on working on our hearts, always building us up and strengthening us. And, and here we also think about those dealing with different aches and pains, trials and troubles. Lord, keep them all in your loving care. If it's your will, grant them healing. 
but keep on always granting more and more of your grace and your mercy and love. We pray this in Jesus, our Savior's name, and in his name we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you again for joining me for worship today. Just a couple quick announcements in the congregation. Well, today is Dave Metzger's birthday. Monday, Jeweline Anderson has a birthday. Tony Ripley on Wednesday. Thursday, Rick and Linda Hazy have an anniversary. Please look at our prayer list. See all of those people with their different trials and troubles they're dealing with. Maybe one person I would add. My dad is in the hospital right now. Waiting to see if he might be able to go home. That could mean go home to heaven, I suppose. Uh, if he could go home, if you have to go to a nursing home, there's some decisions we'll, we're, we're looking at right now, but I'd appreciate your prayers on that. Thank you again for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you always.